Is your refrigerator running? If so, please subdue it before returning to this broadcast. I'm your host, Sebastian Strange, and this is Somewhere Public Radio. Tonight, a special report on the saga of Somewhere Elementary. Embedded with the team that rescued the school, WSOM's own Duncan Oliver reports. You may have felt a small tingling in the back of your mind. You know, that dark, inaccessible corner where forgotten thoughts go. This reporter is pleased to announce that the old elementary school we all remember fondly has returned from its interdimensional sabbatical. Local residents, Claire Claremont, Max, Parking Enforcement Officer Stafford, and your humble reporter traveled into the space that doesn't exist thanks to updated zoning regulations. Once inside, they were successful in locating and entering the old elementary school we all remember fondly. Listeners of a certain age may be pleased to hear that the halls were exactly as we left them all those uncountable years ago. The door handles even still tasted of pennies. Some things never change. But many things do change. Irrevocably. Inexplicably. And devastatingly. The Somewhere Parent-Teacher Amalgamation will be hosting special courses for any resident who wishes to refresh their studies in a variety of disciplines. It is recommended that anyone who has forgotten their time at the old elementary school we all remember fondly, or expects to be doing any imminent dealings with the bureaucracy, attend these courses. Some notices. The City Council, praise be, has asked any empty residences to volunteer and willingly provide housing for the newly recovered students of Somewhere Elementary as they are repatriated. Failure to comply will be, as usual, uncomfortable. Finally, I am obligated to say that this broadcast is sponsored by Claire's Blitz Bar. Nosh on this nutritious new snack, guaranteed to boost your energy and make you score the big goal. You'll have no other choice. Stay well, listeners. And if you hear a voice in the fog, call back. This has been, as always, Duncan Oliver with Radio Somewhere. Meanwhile, Somewhere residents are continuing to ask questions like, How did this happen? Where did the standard come from? And, what is that ringing? No, seriously, what is that? You, you don't hear it? It's everywhere. It's everywhere. Not content to let Duncan get all the glory, I reached out to our town's foremost expert on all things scholastic and unfathomable, the head librarian. Unfortunately, it responded to my inquiry by burying its frills and hissing the Serbian national anthem in D minor which I took to mean no comment. Speaking of the library, a reminder that patrons are advised not to linger after dark unless accompanied by a librarian. The books are hungriest at night. Your memories are not as safe as you believe. The city council, praise be, would like to remind residents that tax season is coming. If you're thinking, hey, didn't we just pay taxes? 
No, you didn't, the city council says in an oddly omniscient press release. Please ensure all currency is properly separated and stored, the statement continues. Payments can be made at City Hall or by mail if you are feeling brave. A note to our listeners, please take proper precautions if you plan to summon a financial advisor this year. While their infernal knowledge of tax law is unparalleled, the risks are- Wait, wait, no, I need, I need more time, I need to warn the listeners about- Is this thing on? Can can you hear me? Please, my name is Hello everyone and welcome to Monster Hour. I'm Quinn, your GM, and with me today are Kyle Hello, I'm Kyle. I play Duncan Oliver, the Vox. Hannah. Greetings. I am Hannah, and I play Max, the Paradox. And Tio. Oh, hi. I am Tio. I <laughs> I don't know why I went that way. I'm sorry. Hold on. Hold on. I have a cat throwing up. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> oh, geez. Welcome to our interlude. Okay. Okay. We're good. We're good. We're good. <laughs> Puzzle alarm, sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> oh, you're okay. I needed the redo anyway. <laughs> Real strong start oh, over God. here. Okay. <laughs> um, Ian, I'm so sorry. Ian, <laughs> I'm not weird. sorry. It's going to be a weird Right one. out the gate. <laughs> we have finished our second disturbance. You solved Woo. my school puzzle. Whee! Good job. Woo. How are y'all feeling having wrapped up our second arc here? Good. Yeah. No harm. My essence is clear. Got a fracture. Feeling fresh. Feeling clean. Feeling good. Ready to take on the world. Yep. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I'm feeling good, but I'm I'm certainly relieved to not be in it anymore. I've almost leveled up, which would make almost one level up for two disturbances. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. I've got a fracture now, so I have a method. I just have to go and try to embrace chaos a bunch of times. <laughs> Did you have any favorite moments or anything that surprised you this disturbance? I liked working with the band of feral children. <laughs> C-Mac and their merry band. Yeah, that was fun. The kid rebellion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the lost kids. <laughs> I mean, I was a big fan of Principal. Uh, Tio, not Claire. Claire was 100% against, but Tio really liked it. Uh, I liked the rad sporting event that neither Max nor Duncan were witness to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. Just your your everyday game of pigskin <laughs> against the elsewhere elementary Lil Eldritor's Pee Wee football team. I'd like, I'd like to note, and I think I did in the episode, but if I didn't, we're going to retcon that this is the real canon, is that Claire has never played a physical contact sport ever in her life before. Loved it and now is going to be a devout football fan and is going to be very disappointed when she sees what football is in real life. <laughs> I mean, how do you know that all football games aren't like that in somewhere? You know, yeah, you know? valid point. So she's just a big football fan. She's going to come out with a line of cute football gear. Yeah, that's the real, <laughs> that's the real kicker. There's so many things that there's. A, it's a whole market that's opened up to you of like sports yeah. medicine. <laughs> 
She's made like a flowy peasant top style thing that has your team number sure. and name on it. Mm-hmm. You come up with daily exercises for, for yeah. strength training. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's Pilates for football. Football. I'll come up with a good name. The branding isn't there yet. Anyway, moving on. Any questions for me? I realized I forgot to ask that in our first disturbance, but I did all season one, so I'm asking it now. Why was it called the Gristle Room? Because I was going to name all the rooms after the Roy G. Biv colors, and then halfway Mm. through, it wasn't weird enough, so I started making them weirder. Gotcha. (laughs) So the Bluegrass Room, Mm -hmm. the Violent Violet Room, the Gristle Bone Room. Just started making them weirder for fun. Nice. Let's do some End of Disturbance questions. This is not the final version, I don't think, but I've been trying to pilot something for Absurdia. Did we learn something new about the town? Well, yes. What did we learn? We learned a number of things about the town's history. Um, the trivia oh, questions. Gosh, yeah, did yes. I write all those questions? I did write oh, them do down, we but remember. we did learn them. You know? well, the episode's coming out soon, so you can listen back. <laughs> <laughs> Shh, don't tell Shh. them we do that. So we learned things from the trivia. We learned why the school disappeared. Big one. Mm-hmm. It was waiting to pass the standard. We learned in a bit of dramatic irony because Duncan has not told us, but Duncan has a child? Yeah. Oh, yes, in a roundabout way. (laughs) The next question is, did we learn something new about the characters? So let's talk a little bit about that. My boy. (laughs) We haven't said it on air specifically, but I think we can go ahead and make it clear that Duncan has a missing son taken by the screaming fog. Duncan is a father. Duncan dad. Duncan dad. Papa Oliver. <laughs> Pauliver. Pauliver. What about Claire and Max? Did we learn anything about either of them? I have a picture of myself that I do not remember. So that yeah. tells me that either I have forgotten it or it's future me. Woo. Oh. Woo. Which means that there is at least one fixed point in my time at the town, and that is that photo. Yeah, very interesting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Claire Claremont. Did we learn something new about me? I don't yeah, remember. Yeah, we learned that like if people don't follow you on Sploot, it like causes <laughs> oh, psychic damage. I guess. <laughs> like, like literal psychic damage. I think that should be a given, though. Like, no, how I we live didn't my realize life. how much it was going to hurt you. Well, now like, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, we also know that um, your being is still keeping an eye on you. Oh, yeah. I yeah. knew that. But you all learned that. Well, yes. okay, sure. I knew I was a father. Too. Oh, I guess that's true. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, Rudy's presence is not perhaps as gone as it once seemed. You know, just having myself a good old time with my friend Rudy. Rudy, 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 Rudy. Fabulous. So that's a yes to both of those questions. So go ahead and mark one experience for each one. So mark two experience. Oh my God. And we'll we'll come back to advancement in a second. But there are two more questions, which are a little bit different. Did you significantly aid or bolster a faction in town? I think community. We freed the children, Quinn. (laughs) We freed, and they were underbelly? They were, yes. Yes, we freed the underbelly. The children... We help them. Quinn. I mean, the PTA asked us to do it as well, which is a That's community true. faction. 
So school yes. and the kids is pretty community. I think that you significantly aided both Underbelly, the kid rebellion trapped there, and community, <laughs> the PTA and all the parents and teachers who were stuck there. So go ahead and take plus one reputation with community and Underbelly. Ooh, all is right. that permanent? Until you fuck it up somehow, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, did you cause significant problems for a faction in town? No, no, we actually, no. <laughs> no. Uh, no. I actually think that's true, this arc. Yeah, I don't that's pretty <laughs> impressive. I think you managed to avoid undermining a particular faction. Yeah, I think it was pretty well contained. And we, I mean, I made a rival with C-Mac, but the faction benefited and we did the standard. I legitimately was like, surely we've pissed someone off. But no, I think we're fine. I know, somehow you managed to get out of this without pissing someone off. Mostly because we did it. We just did what yeah. we wanted. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, you met the standard. For good students. If you had said yes to that, you would take minus one reputation. I see. Um, oh. But you did not do that. So, good job. Hooray. Okay, so those are our end of disturbance questions, the alpha rules. Um, and real quickly, let's go through agendas and essence refreshes. So does anyone think they have an agenda that they met that we didn't already talk about? Uh, I think I might have met apotheosis. Mark experience when you improve your reputation or establish a friendly contact with entropy. I'd like to say that I improved my reputation during this entire thing. I did the thing that was asked of me. To gain reputation, usually you have to do something like a specific sort of favor. So like answer the, uh, did you significantly aid or bolster a faction? It's a, a mechanical thing, not uh, a narrative okay. thing. Okay, okay. Yeah, um, yeah that's fair. The closest I would think was Inquisitor, but I believe we grabbed that one when I opened up the smoke. What's Inquisitor? Uh, mark experience when you act callously or maliciously to get the truth. I just went for the bottle of Screaming Fog. Uh, I don't think we marked that then. Did you do that with callousness or maliciousness? Yeah, Screaming Fog sucks, but I needed to That's, get to the bottom yeah. of it. I needed to get in it. Yeah, yeah, okay. And then let's do essence refreshes real quick. Uh, I'm already empty because I broke myself. True. Claire and Duncan are freshly fractured, so their essence <laughs> is already done. And then Max. Using the past or future to save the present. I'm not sure. I don't think you did, but when the event of your temporal anomaly move comes to pass, you also refresh your essence track, and you did successfully find a date to prom. That's so. true. I did. <laughs> yeah, so go ahead and refresh your essence. Yay, all of them? Yep. Yay, so fresh, so clean. Has anyone leveled up? Yes. Awesome. Do you know what you would like to take for your advancement? I think so. I think I'm going to take another Vox move, Social Dragonfly. When you first meet someone, you can declare that, actually, you have met them before. When you do this, roll plus cheek. On a 10 plus, your old friends tell the GM an interesting detail about them and take plus one forward on your next social interaction with them. On a 7 to 9, you've crossed paths a couple times. The GM will tell you an interesting tidbit about them. On a miss, you forgot you promised them a spot on your show. Mark one integrity. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> I forgot the miss on that move, and I <laughs> remembered that I really like it. <laughs> yeah, me, Kyle, rolls six and below on that all the time. <laughs> uh, fabulous. Did anyone else level up? Not me. Oh, yeah. Do you know what you would like to take for your advancement? I'm taking Pariah. The whole town knows what happened to you, knows what you're capable of. 
when you goad, you roll plus chaos instead of against faction, which for me would be delightful. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you can basically goad everyone. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, that is very Including entropy. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I'm doing that. Although Terrifying Visage is next on my list because, God, I love the idea of uh, people literally running, screaming in terror. (laughs) That's a fun one. I think you wanted to do something that was basically that move before. (laughs) Yeah. A mechanical question, Quinn. Sure. I ended up with six experience. So obviously I hit five and it was time to level up. Yeah. Can I mark that sixth one or is it wiped away? Or is there a rollover? Yeah, yeah, totally. Good, good. We're that not rollover doing... XP in this establishment. Hey, you know what? Mm-hmm. For a while, you couldn't roll over your minutes back in the old days. Oh, boy. Young yeah. people, we used to have to pay for our <laughs> minutes on our phone. Hey, kids, remember? You don't, y'all don't remember when you had to count minutes with your phone. I racked up a $50 bill texting friends my sophomore year of high school. Oh, yeah. We paid by the text, too. <laughs> yep. Sounds so weird to say. Five cents a text. Back in my day, we texted (laughs) uphill both ways. Back in my day, phones Uh, had physical buttons and folded in half sometimes. (laughs) Okay, Grandpa. (laughs) Some of them fold in half now, but everyone's like, it's so fancy and new. We're like, I had a Razor phone. Did you hear they're doing a stretchable one so you could put it on your clothing? I'm like, why? Why would I want to be a walking billboard? It's the cyberpunk future we're all in for. On that note, <laughs> I think we're ready to jump You had to in. wait for your parents to get off the phone before you could <laughs> dial up on the internet and check <laughs> yahoo.com. <laughs> oh, my God. We're so old. That's I so remember weird. before the internet where we called our friends. Yeah, <laughs> me too. <laughs> anyway. If someone was running late, you just had to wait there. You didn't call your friends. You called your friend's house. Yeah, yeah. You had to and they talk had to be home. I'm still talking. They had to be. They had to be home to talk. To and then you had to do uh, awkward chit chat with people's family members, whoever picked yep. up the phone. Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. hi, Mr. Jones. Your Is parents Graham knew there? everyone that called you. Every yes. single person that called you. Okay, I think we're ready. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We open in media res at the somewhere public library's grand hall the cavernous antiquarian space rarefied in its own right has been the recipient of a lavish glow up all the cornerstones of a swaky event they're there with bells on baby bright banners hanging from the rafters crisply pressed in flowing tablecloths carnivorous plants under clear glass cloches crystalline chandeliers playing smooth jazz music an upside down champagne fountain ice sculpture who are all the people here just the upper crust of somewhere high society, of course. The who's who and their crews here to say their howdy-do's and show off their new do's at THE event to look forward to every year. That's right. It's the PTA's annual fundraising gala. The attire, snappy. Appetizers, heavy. The small talk, snooty. The special guests, none other than our three protagonists, the unlikely heroes of Somewhere Elementary. Where do we find the three of you as this ostentatious event gets underway? Yeah, at the upside down champagne fountain, trying to <laughs> catch it as it goes up. Agreed. Are the three of you stacked three goblins three in a trench coat style <laughs> to get to it, so that you can do an upside down catch the fountain? I mean, if that's the case, <laughs> yeah, I think I have to be the one on top. If not that's what you, it Duncan. takes, no, I got Duncan, a bad back. Duncan's down on the bottom, I think. <laughs> I think Duncan probably also has a bad back. It's a teetery sort of 
wobbly <laughs> tower. Quinn, are you going to make us roll to see if we get the champagne? <laughs> no. <laughs> Thank you. I've got my nice jacket on, tweed. I've got a knit tie. Yeah, what's everyone wearing to the the event of the social season? Got a plaid shirt. I got corduroy pants. <laughs> and one classy WSOM pin. The classiest. How about Max? I look like I stepped out of Grey Gardens. Long trench coat, scarf holding the hair back. Looks great. Perfect. Immaculate. Would be perfect for stepping out of Grey Gardens. Except, of course, the giant sword on my back. It's a little... <laughs> Fabulous. Uh, several people have come over to inspect it as uh, <laughs> the event has gone underway. And I think a couple have asked you, like, Oh, is this part of the silent auction? The sword? No! It's mine! Max, can we put the sword down while you're up on top no. of at the top? But it's right over our heads. No, it's fine. It's secure. Okay. And I like tighten the belt so the sword shakes a little bit. <laughs> it's sheath. It. It's got a giant sheath. Is it? Is the sheath matching the outfit? Oh, of course. Okay, good. Yes, that's what yes. you want. It is in a sheath. It is a good solid sheath. I still would, if I were you, be worried about a heavy object falling, but you're not going to get decapitated. Yeah. The floor might get dented more than anything else. Uh-huh. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. What is Claire Claremont wearing? <laughs> That's the real question. You don't know it's Claire because she is covered head to toe in flexible mirror. <laughs> and the goal is to send the signal that everyone at this establishment should really be looking in the mirror. <laughs> and and if they have any problems or issues with the town, it's probably their fault. So this is her statement piece. Is this... this is her tax the rich dress. Is it like a chrome dress or is it like a bodysuit? No, it's it's like a proprietary scientific material that she got on loan from a lab that really wanted her <laughs> to do an endorsement deal. It's like Lycra, but it's fully mirror. So it kind of does the thing that buildings, like the full glass buildings do, Mm -hmm. where they reflect what's going on and they kind of disappear. That is Claire right now. Gotcha. And it's a a dress made of that fabric? It's a a Lycra cat suit made of that fabric. Skin tight Mm. body. Got it. (laughs) Yes. Claire is Uh, basically impossible. Oh, people keep running into her, though. It's a problem. (laughs) So it looks like Duncan and then a shimmery invisible thing and then Max is floating above. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, great. (laughs) I think, Claire, in addition to people continuing to run into you, you're also being mistaken for the catering staff for this event, which are all shimmering balls of light. (laughs) Yeah, that sounds about right. Awkward. So several times people have come up to you and been like, Oh, can I get a glass, a, a champagne refill? Another bottle of Prosecco, please. Do you have any more of the salmon crudités? Get it yourself. No, Claire says, yes, I'll bring it to your table to each of them. Oh, nice. <laughs> Sowing some chaos. Yeah, of course. Uh, why not? Give me your old hoodwink. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I don't know what the consequences will be here, but Are I'm you, curious. Do you, keep, do you keep telling them that, that how dare they not recognize a member of the Clunkanax? <laughs> No, I think she's just like, she'll take the opportunity to mess with them. Oh, boy. <laughs> that is a six. Yee. Did you roll with chaos? Oh, that's going to be an eight. I swear. Nice. Okay. Oh, chaos. Cause, uh, yeah, because you are unfathomable. unfathomable. Uh, uh-huh. Absolutely you are. In your mirror suit. <laughs> yep. Never have you been uh, more fathomable. 
on a seven to nine, your ploy works, but I will introduce a complication or consequence. Eventually, these people are going to come find you again. <laughs> That's fine. When they do, let it be known that my response is going to be, give me the name of a high ranking official that hates their job in this city government. Oh, uh, a person, huh. a person's name or a position person. OK, let's pull a Twitter name before the whole website shuts down. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> hey, wh whoever this is, you might be our last Twitter name. <laughs> <laughs> Bowie. Bowie is the city's finance director. Oh, perfect. Mm. Oh, yeah. What a tough spot. Yeah, that sucks. Yeah. Claire is prepared the moment someone comes up to them and be like, excuse me, I've been waiting for hours. Yeah, you know, Bowie just decided to cut the funding for your specific drink. Just didn't think that, you know, it was warranted. <laughs> you got to trim the fat. Incredible. <laughs> oh, Claire's uh, having a good time. The Fabulous. city decided that you don't get vodka. Yeah, more or less, that's what she's saying. She's like, I've tried to run it upstairs, and they said no. For him? For them? No. <laughs> Amazing. I think, uh, so the three of you are taking turns at the, the pinnacle of the upside down champagne fountain, and someone bumps into Claire, and all three of you go toppling down, and the whole room, it's the cocktail hour right now, so people are mingling, there are folks checking out the silent auction. You know, there's a little bit of downtime between Sebastian kicking off the award ceremony. Sebastian is emceeing, of course. Mm -hmm. So you all come crashing down in a heap and the whole room kind of pauses and everyone gives you a, you know, just the faintest hint, just the tiniest little whiff of a whisper of a dirty look. And then they go back to what they're doing. But a group, a knot of people dressed in suits and gowns glide over towards you. And the PTA says... It looks like you're all enjoying the evening. Yeah, do you have a ladder or something? Really thirsty. Could use a glass of that point up. It was sort of meant to be more for show. And you oh. see one of the like sh shimmering orbs float above the upside down fountain and collect some of the champagne in a glass and then switch gravity and come back down to hand one to each of you. Oh, I knew that. Thank you all for being here tonight. We're excited to honor you and your incredible service to Somewhere Elementary, saving all those kids and teachers. I'm sorry we haven't had a chance really to touch base before the ceremony, but uh, how have the three of you been? What have you been up to? And the camera pans away from the PTA and to our three protagonists and zooms in on Max as the flashback music plays. And we open up on the abandoned gas station at the edge of town just a short week ago. We see the many abandoned, rusting vehicles outside of the gas station. The neon sign flashing, always flashing, forever flashing. The simple word, gas the empty fields that surround the station. But we zoom into the bus, which is currently stationed just outside of the old fuel pump area. And we see Max with Gitzes in her overlarged blue trench coat and mechanics goggles. And Jackie, along with a handful of her toy soldiers, which are crawling over the bus and following Jackie and Gitzes orders in a, a markably more disciplined way. And, uh... Yeah, that's the scene we see. Max just stepping up. Jackie gets his. How's the bus doing? Hey, this is the big hero. Look, hey, everybody, look, it's the big hero. Aww, it's the big hero. Stop hey. it. <laughs> Should Jackie. we get? Hold on, hold on, hold on. I've been, I've been preparing for this moment. Hold on, Marshall. Now, 
and one of the toy soldiers standing oh on gosh. top of the bus pulls out a tiny little trumpet and starts playing it like parade music. I love it. I love it. Well, Jackie, I got something for you and I need some help. I don't know. Maybe Gitzes can help too. And I reach into my pocket and I fish out the tiny soldier that that was <laughs> along for the ride. Oh and I gosh. carefully, I hand it back to Jackie and I go, he's seen a lot of action. He might need some ROR, some time away from the troops, but I think he might be ready for a promotion. And I gently hand the soldier back to Jackie. It like limps uh, <laughs> between Aww. your hands and then like mm-hmm. pulls up into a small salute and then collapses on the, on, I was going to say on the ground, but on Jackie's hand. Mm-hmm. Good good job there, Jerry. We'll talk about your promotion later, okay? And she tucks the toy soldier whose name is Jerry, I guess. <laughs> into her pocket. Yep. It is now. Yep. And then I go, well, and I also, I I need some help with this. And I pull out the picture. And Quinn, can you describe the picture again? It is a it's picture me. of you uh-huh. in like a class photo, basically. Uh-huh. A picture of you, a teacher who I don't think you recognize, principal, and a bunch of kids at somewhere elementary. Can I tell, does this photo give any kind of indication about my age relative to how I look now? Is the hair longer or shorter? Are there any visible marks? Any kind of clues as to if this is something in the past that I have forgotten or something in the future? Yeah, why don't you give me a roll to assess reality? I would love to assess reality. I love looking at stuff. I love thinking about things. It's a seven. Hold one. What here is useful or valuable to me? Max, you're the same age. That doesn't mean a ton to you necessarily, but like it's it's the age that you became unstuck from time. There's there's no clue there necessarily. In terms of like outfit and hairstyle, remind me like how often you change sort of your, your look and appearance. Good question. When I was traveling a lot, I changed it up a lot because I would be traveling between different time periods. And so I either was trying to fit in a little bit more to a time period or kind of like picking up something from the time period that I thought was cool and like incorporated it. Uh, Since coming to somewhere, I have not been changing my look a ton because frankly, I've been in this place for a while. You know, somewhere is not necessarily the uh, fashion happening center of the universe, although maybe that's for the next adventures. We go we go do some high fashion stuff. So it has not changed a lot since I've gotten here. Then I think it looks like you. I don't think the outfit is one you recognize. Okay. But like, it's not sort of out of, ca- like, it looks good. It looks like something you would wear. You're not looking at it going like, ugh, gross. But like, there's like some subtle things that I think you can pretty confidently say like i don't remember this but it's it's you hmm okay okay all right i would like to show it to jackie and see if she has anything else that might be useful if she recognizes anything maybe anybody from the photo or you got a cute picture with principal i love that guy he's the best <laughs> how do you know principal Oh, he, uh, he, he taught my daughter's class. Did not know that you had a daughter, Jackie. You continue to, to surprise me. Every encounter, you just uh, 
A new layer. Layers, Jackie, like a cake. She's, you know, a little more, um, she does things a little more on the, the up and up than me, you know, so I don't talk about her too much with some of my, uh, my business associates. Understood. Do you recognize anybody else in the photo other than me and Principal? Why don't you give me a roll to gather information? Okay, um, mm. what am I rolling for that? When you hit the streets looking for information, name a contact and roll with their faction. So go ahead and give me a roll with Underbelly. Okay. I would love nothing more. Uh, that's going to be an eight. On a seven and nine, you learn something interesting, but it's up to you to make it useful. Jackie looks at the photo, like looks it up and down, kind of scans it real carefully and says, hmm, I mean, I recognize a couple of the kids. They were, uh, they were in my daughter's class, but I don't, I don't recognize the teacher, though. And I know most of the teachers there. She's not ringing a bell. That's peculiar to me, I guess, is what I'm saying. Quinn, what does the teacher look like? Teacher is a woman in her mid-50s. She's got kind of a, uh, let's say like a toned build, actually. Hair that's just just starting to go a touch gray. She has a very warm, warm smile uh, and kind eyes. Hmm. Okay. Kind of like a very physically fit version of like a, an older, warm, welcoming teacher. Okay. Gitzes, do you recognize the woman in the photo? Nope, nope, sorry. I haven't spent much time around school, though. And uh, how are things going with the bus? Good, I've actually got a, a few things I want to show you. Oh, uh, And yes. Gitzes kind of, like, turns back towards the bus, and as she does, her body, like, wobbles a little bit in a strange mm. way. Uh-huh. And she heads back and says, there's a couple things that I wanted to show you. First things first, we've been working on this, uh, and Max... As you approach, you can see the bus is sort of on, uh, almost looks like a mechanics raise or a jack, yep. but it's also almost like a, a platform and you can see the bus's wheels are in like a little, they're mounted basically, like they're mounted on this this pedestal, which Gitzes appears to have constructed. It has a little display HUD sort of, and several of the toy soldiers are, are stationed at it, almost like a military command. Mm -hmm. And the bus, as you approach, it's sort of, tilts a little bit your direction and you hear the horn sound excitedly a couple times as mm -hmm. it, it greets you and Gitzes says all right are we ready and all the toy soldiers salute and Gitzes steps up to the pedestal mm -hmm. facing directly in front of the bus and says giddy up the bus revs its engine and the wheels start turning and turning and turning and you can see running through this this pedestal are little lines, little sort of LED displays that start lighting up in a kind of a classic sci-fi manner. And when they reach Gitz's, she starts to bend. Her whole body starts to get pulled in different directions and flatten into two dimensions. And then she becomes just a 2D line and then it collapses in on itself like a miniature black hole. And she reappears just like a snap second away at the edge of the gas station, just where it starts to meet the field. And she kind of stumbles a little bit, shakes her head, and then starts walking back towards you. So that's part one. I was standing there exactly. And she walks over to the, the HUD display and, and looks at it. And you can see a timer four minutes and 32 seconds ago. Huh. Okay. That's pretty cool. Thank you. I've tested it a few times, and it's gone mostly okay. The furthest back I've been able to go is five minutes. Uh, so, you know, limited, but bus definitely has some some quantum properties, uh, temporal distortion. Very nice. 
you know, and mostly, mostly going according to plan. Look, time travel is um, kind of a messy business. So if it worked perfectly all the time, where would the fun be? Can you stack it? Like, could you keep going back in time? Can you go back five minutes and then back another five minutes and then back another five minutes? I don't go backwards in time. I go backwards on my timeline. So, you know, it, it needs a little bit of work, but could be useful. All right. Anything else that you, you wanted to show me about the bus? Well, yeah, there's, there's one other thing. And gets his looks at the, the bus and says, All aboard! <laughs> and the bus's front door opens. I go up oh. and I, I, first I pat the bus on the hood. And I, I say, good bus. Thank you. Thank you for the engine purrs just a little bit. Thank you for helping <laughs> us. I appreciate that. And uh I look at Gitz's and I go I I can go inside. It's not gonna like nothing bad's gonna happen. I mean me and the bus have friends, but like We sent some of the toy soldiers in and they were okay, so <laughs> I th- I think so. I want you to try it before I go in though. I've been waiting for you. <laughs> yeah, fuck it. And I go leaving inside. Yeah, you you land. And you see the bus. But looking back, it is much, much longer than it should be, than it is from the outside. Hmm. Huh. Okay. And it's also not broken up and sectionalized like it was when it was moving previously. It appears to be stable. Huh. Interesting. Can I see the back of the bus? So a ways back probably like 100, 150 feet, it stops looking like a normal bus, mm-hmm. and you see the snarl that you saw before. Okay, okay. And is there anybody else on the bus other than me? Uh, no. Okay. I'm not going to go into the snarl, but I would like to take just like, I don't know, maybe like three or four steps towards it to see if like there's any distortion. Like if I take some steps away from the front of the bus, if the front of the bus is then like longer away than a couple of steps. No. Okay. Okay. Interesting. And if I look outside the window, what do I see? You see the gas station. Huh. Okay. Is it okay? Are you dead? (laughs) I'm not. I feel like you wouldn't answer. I'm. I'm not dead. No. No. I'm not dead. Gitz says you can come and look. I won't ask you to go any further, but I can show you. You see, Gitz's trench coated hand like reach in, uh huh, and like wave around a couple times, <laughs> <laughs> and then you see her her foot move in. Yep. And then slowly, you see her like wobbly step uh, into the bus. Does she like take a couple breaths of the air and then like hold her breath and then like she's more just like looking around waiting to see scared if something happens. No, no, no. There's nobody here. But you see, you see that all the way down at the bottom. That's Uh that's the distortion. Do not go near that. Uh, That's that um, makes sense. I don't want to use any negative words or any bus because you've been doing you've been doing real good. I'm real proud of you. Um, but that's the, that's the snarl. That's the, that's the time snarl. And for someone like me, I could probably go in and have not a great time, but I'm used to it. I would advise that you do not go down there and that Jackie doesn't go down there. And I don't know how the soldiers feel about it. They are metal. So, you know, that, that is a little 
harder than our, you know, interior bones and stuff. But I would say don't get within about 10 feet of it. And if you get down there and stuff starts to feel weird, like stretching, you need to get off the bus. But otherwise, okay. this is interesting. Okay, bus. All right. Okay. And I I step off the bus and I go up to the the... It's a bus, so it doesn't really have a hood, but like the front yeah. part of the bus with the lights. And I gently pat it a couple times and go, thank you. Thank you for letting me on. The engine purrs again. Interesting. And I think the LED display board like lights up and flashes a couple times. Interesting. Interesting. All right, gets as well. I'll be back at some point. Sounds good. All right. Thanks, Jackie. Yeah, you take care, sweetheart. You stay in touch, all right? All right. Interesting. Interesting. Hey folks, Quinn here. Thanks so much for tuning in to episode 13 of Monster Hour Absurdia. I hope you like flashbacks and fancy fundraisers because we got a whole heap of them here at the PTA's annual swanky gala. Just make sure you don't get carried away at the silent auction, okay? Big shout out at the top here to Alice from Once Upon a Monster of the Week and Saro from Redgate and Wolf for lending their voices to the PTA this episode. Thank you to everyone who's been helping spread the word about the show by leaving us a rating and review, giving us a shout on social media, and recommending the show to a friend. Let's chat about rating and reviews real quick because we haven't talked about that in a while. When you etch your comments into the digital commons of the internet, it makes a most pleasing offering for the eldritch algorithms from beyond. This makes us appear more frequently in recommendation sections and generally helps new folks pick up our signal. So if you've been enjoying our broadcast, please take a few minutes to drop some stars and maybe some nice words. It really does mean a lot to us. I want to give a special shout out this week to the newest members of WSOM's Eternal Pledge Drive, Douglas, Savannah, Half, Ritter, Julie, Corey, and Thad. A big thank you to all of our patrons for supporting the show and helping us bring you awesome bonus content. We just posted the very spooky conclusion to our game of Trophy Dark, and the outtakes and GM notes from Arc 2 here will be soon to follow. If that sounds like a good time, you can check those out at patreon.com slash monster hour or by clicking the link in the show notes. Our community spotlight this week is Pest Control, a Monster of the Week podcast that eschews the typical supernatural in the shadows paradigm for a world where everyone knows there are monsters living amongst us. What would happen if the whole world knew monsters existed? That they could be your neighbor, your barista, or your childhood bully? Hi, we're Pest Control, a mostly Monster of the Week actual play show that just started our second season, and we're asking exactly those questions. We are another tabletop podcasting show, but we utilize Monster of the Week very well. It feels almost like you are watching a show. It gets really dark. Yeah, and in between all that, we're a little bit of some silly little goofers. Sam enables some extremely impactful story moments built up from themes and creature designs. I'm William, they, them, and I'm playing Kelly Aberdeen, he, him, who is a vigilante who wants more than anything to be a monster and cannot become one. I'm Sam, she, they, and I'm playing Nami, she, her, who is an angel who fucked up and has to make up for it. My name is Jonas, they, them, and I'm playing Rabbit Moon, he, they, she, a demon boy who changes forms and plays with gravity. Rabbit is using the custom playbook, The Shape Changer. And my name is Keeper Sam. Come follow Pest Control as we watch the story of Kelly, Nami, and Rabbit trying to keep the community of Norfolk safe from the encroaching influence of the city. Come check us out. That's all I've got for you this week, dear listeners. Tune in December 13th for the next broadcast of WSOM, Radio Somewhere.
we see the vision of Max's flashback fade away, fade into Max's face, and then the camera pans over to Duncan. On the ground. <laughs> yeah, on the ground. Dusty. Uh, staggering to get up, covered in champagne. And we flash back to what Duncan has been up to since restoring somewhere elementary to its rightful place in town. Duncan, I think in the, the aftermath of that, s- someone, uh, maybe it was you, someone freed Stafford from his carbonite. Uh, sorry, copyright non-specific paint freeze. Uh, <laughs> And the two of you made plans to meet up to discuss the events there and also some other findings that he has. Where are the two of you meeting? I figured because he's in a little hot water with the bureaucracy. So we maybe he meets me at the station as I'm like taking apart my portable broadcast backpack. Oh, I like it. Is, uh, is Sebastian there or is he elsewhere? <laughs> he's maybe... Uh, is he on air? Yeah, he's maybe on air in the other room. Fabulous. So we get a little snippet so of his conversation as we fade into the scene. In <laughs> and the we window. go like to you in your cozy home away from home at the station. And Stafford enters. He's still got little flecks of paint that flake off as he walks <laughs> around. But uh, yeah, I think Stafford walks in, takes a seat, and his camera head kind of zooms in on you and the red light is flashing. But he doesn't, he doesn't say anything. He just, he just sits there. Yeah, I've, I've just cleared off just enough space on a very messy table to kind of stick my broadcast backpack thing on there. And I'm starting to disassemble it because these components are valuable. They can't just sit in a backpack the whole time. So they're being disassembled and I say sorted but loosely arranged <laughs> around the room in the general area where they fit. Is your room where the stone, the cornerstone that says WSOM is located? Hmm. I don't think it's in my room per se. I think I share a room with the, the broadcast equipment, which I guess is pretty, it's right on the, st- on the stone. So maybe it is in the, in the same room. I figured if, the, if this station has enough space for three rooms, maybe we've arranged it where there's a broadcast room where you're on air, there's Duncan's room slash broadcast equipment. And then a third room is like a waiting room for guests where the stone is. Okay, sounds good. It's like it's been built around the stone. I think Stafford's kind of like idly playing with one of the crystals that is part of the setup, like the transmission broadcast system. He looks over his shoulder at you and says, Duncan, hmm? children these days. Yeah, how are you doing, bud? You see okay? Does your your lens cleared up? Nothing wounded but my pride. Yeah, well, they did have years of practice, if it makes you feel any better. One of the more vicious adversaries I've had chance to face in my career. Well, the good news is I'm sure you will have many more opportunities to cross paintbrushes, as it were, because they're back. We saved them. Stafford, you helped. Yes. In a way. Another case solved. Thank you, Duncan. None of those kids had cars, so, you know, it wasn't on the parking enforcement list, but I answer to a higher list of all missing persons, Duncan. Yeah. And we crossed 52 names off that list. Thank you, Duncan. Thank No, thank you for, for helping out. I know it wasn't a parking enforcement issue, but... You're right. We found a lot of folks. I, uh, I spoke to him. Sam. He was there. Yeah. Is he back, Duncan? 
No. Was he stuck in the school this whole time? No, Stafford, he's he's not in the school. As we feared, he's he's in the fog. But I was able to reach him. I talked to him for a minute, seconds. It was nothing, but I heard him. Stafford grabs two WSOM branded coffee mugs and uh, he... <laughs> He presses a button on his camera head and a secret compartment that looks like another cassette thing opens up. But instead of a cassette tape in there, it's a flask. <laughs> and, and he opens it up and pours what, what appears to be whiskey into two cups uh, and hands one to you and says, Duncan, I can't know how difficult that must have been for you or what you're feeling right now. But I do know the known obstacle is better than an unknown adversary. It was beautiful and horrifying to hear him, Stafford, but he's still out there. And Duncan is kind of messy, accidentally like breaks a little piece off of the, the backpack, trying to just in frustration, kind of prying it off and tosses it into the pile of, I suppose, the garbage pile, which is a little indistinguishable from any <laughs> other pile in here. But uh, he wipes some more things off of a off of a table and clears what was in front of a picture yeah. on the table and just kind of like pulls the picture back more prominently. Duncan, you knew your son was out there, even when nobody else believed you, and you were right. That kind of instinct, Duncan, you can't buy that. You can't learn that. That comes from a true investigator. We have work to do. I have work to do. We have to have to figure out how to get through the fog. We reached out, made contact through the fog for a, just a moment, but it's possible. Indeed, the people who are missing, they seem to, to still be in there or the echoes are still there. I don't know, Duncan, how to reach the fog. Perhaps a visit to the public library. You, you know I haven't been there since Ugh, Stafford. My investigations cut tragically short at the school, but we did learn one thing. It was in the bottle, Duncan. I dove into the depths of the archives at City Hall. There's no record of the fog ever being captured. Which either means someone at that school knows something we don't, or someone at City Hall is keeping their own set of books. We need to find that bottle. I agree. You know, even though I spoke through the fog, I wouldn't be here except Claire did something. She was able to not talk through the fog, but talk to it. Nobody's ever captured fog in the bottle and I let it out, but she put it back in. It's a useful one, Duncan. Keep her close something more there yes she might be your gal friday but keep an eye on that one <laughs> i suspect there's more to her than meets the eye or the ear or the nose or <laughs> yes the i i understand noses are some something of a mystery to you stafford You've explained it so many times, I still don't yeah, understand. I know, I know. You smell in chemicals and they bind to certain to certain receptors, and we have millions of them up, up in there. It sounds like sorcery to me. Mm-hmm. It's science. Mm-hmm. Well, I would know science when I saw it. Okay. 
<laughs> I think you're right, Duncan. She's mixed up in all of this somehow. If she can talk to the fog, she could be helpful, but... If there's one thing I've learned from my work here at the station, it's there's always more than one side to everybody. There certainly is, Duncan. Except for Jeremy. Pretty one-sided, that guy. <laughs> I've tried. Oh, I've tried. Keep digging deeper, and it's just the same layer. He's just really passionate about brewing beer. He loves beer. It's, it's like his whole deal. Have you tried his extra normal, normal brew? Yeah, it's absolutely unremarkable. I know, right? I can't believe it. How believably beer it is. Bastion of normalcy in this strange, surreal town. It's abnormally normal. They should call it Abnormal Normal Beer Brewing Company. <laughs> you should tell Jeremy that. He'll get a kick out of it. <laughs> I will. I will. <laughs> In fact, I'm writing him another letter right now. You do that, Duncan. Duncan takes a minute searching for a blank piece of paper. When you turn back, Stafford's gone. God damn it. <laughs> uh, and there's just a note which was clearly scribbled on a blank piece of paper. <laughs> which says, damn it. gone looking for the bottle. But in parentheses, it says, not as an idiom, the screaming fog bottle. <laughs> Uh, I look around for a moment and say, ah, took another mug. <laughs> yeah, brief smash cut to Stafford's office uh, <laughs> where there's just like 20 to 30 feral hogs. No, um, <laughs> 20 to 30 WSM mugs stacked up on top of one another. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> one day I'll return these mugs, but it is not this day. As he stacks another one on the pyramid. <laughs> <laughs> and we we fade away from the scene at WSOM back to the PTA's annual fundraiser on Duncan's face. And then the camera pans over one more time to the one and only one parentheses, number one and parentheses, Claire Claremont. Uh, <laughs> and we, we flash back one more time. Yeah. Claire, do you have a physical shop in town? Uh, No, no, no. Or do you do, no, do no, it no. all by sploot? Oh, no, 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 no. Only cheap influencers do it entirely by sploot. I have a pop-up. Yeah. Thank you very much. Exclusive pop-ups. Yes. Exclusive okay. pop-ups throughout the city. <laughs> I think my current one is in front of the butchers, and they don't like it. <laughs> Incredible. Yes. What's the butcher's name? Tell me about this butcher. Melvin. I'm very, curi <laughs> I'm very curious about somewhere's uh, only butcher. Melvin the what butcher. Uh, what do they sell? They butcher anything. Now, you would oh, think God. it's food, but it's not. Like, do you have a sectional that you need to cut in half? <laughs> the butcher can do it. <laughs> we'll cut anything. Yeah. They have very, very sharp knives. Whatever you need wrapped up in brown paper. That, too. Deal. That's separate. That costs extra. We'll chop it up and we wrap it We will cut... Up. Anything and put it in brown paper. Yeah, Melvin's yeah. chop and wrap. It's it's literally <laughs> the as seen on TV commercial where it's like this thing can chop through anything, and then it's like you know cutting through the side of a house or whatever. Yeah, Melvin can do is that. It, is it this thing can chop through anything? Camera pans and it's just Melvin waving. Yeah, pretty much. No equipment or tools to be seen. Yeah, exactly. The reason that they are so annoyed about Claire doing the pop-up in front is that Claire is selling miniature, cute, but not useful knives. 
And she thought it would be a cool theme to do it in front of Melvin's store. <laughs> Got it. Yes. Uh, I'm picturing Mario, the video game character, but in his 50s with a pot belly. I think that's a pretty accurate Melvin. I think okay. add a little bit of MacGyver energy because the thing that Melvin lives for, like, look, he'll cut a bed for you. He's done that a million times. Cool. Easy. But what he thrives on is like the tinkering aspect. So if someone gives him a really hard job, like, hey, I need you to cut this building in half while people are in it without them knowing. Those are the kind of projects <laughs> that he lives for. So that's his like MacGyver energy comes out and you see him kind of get animated. And he looks like 10 years younger when he's like planning out Rube Goldberg okay. machine style. Yeah. He sits around bored dreaming of the uncuttable. A hundred percent. Incredible. Do you go into Melvin's? No, I'm not allowed in. Like to like <laughs> use the bathroom. Okay, okay. It's no, of, I've been banned. One of the one of the stores you've been banned. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm no, I'm just I've just created a very cute pop-up out front with my cute little knife themed accessories. And I am labeling it as local store appreciation day. And so I'm taking a <laughs> bunch of photos where Melvin is in the background, but he is refusing to participate. Just looking sour. Yeah, but I'm still posting it and tagging and telling everyone to come on by. I do think more people are coming to both your pop-up and to Melvin's Butcher, mm -hmm. but I don't think he's happy about it. Yeah, no, it, it, it's absolutely helping things. him, but he hates it. Yeah, they're all coming in asking for like meat. Yeah. <laughs> the worst. I think you've just finished up serving one of your, your customers who bought three knife keychains and yes. then headed over to Melvin's and you know just know they're going to be pissed. And you hear uh, a rustling in the bushes. I think you know you're you're up against like, you know, a small little green space and yeah, there's there's just a rustling over in the bushes. Do I spy a walker coming around for a visit? There's no response. I think Claire just kind of looks at the bushes and goes like well, I'm going to be taking a break in about five minutes. So, uh, yeah, why don't you accost me then? And then she, like, continues to kind of scurry about, helps a customer, isn't looking at the bushes. Her assumption is that this is Walker because this is kind of their M.O. But she also knows that they prefer to be able to sneak up. So she's going to let them do their thing. If it's them. If it's not them, she'll murder them and it'll be fine. <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay. Nothing happens. Oh, okay. Well, then I go about my day and let me, I'm just kidding. Um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we keep selling knife bracelets. And okay. And, uh, we ju then the, the scene fades out and we head back to the... <laughs> uh, yeah. And Claire's been up to bugging Melvin some more. Yeah. All right. Uh, I, think, I think Claire does another little quick sploot live and then realizes that the rustling, nothing happened with it. And so... She's going to go over and kind of be like, hmm, okay, and go and investigate. You head over to this uh, small copse of trees and brush and push through. And amidst the undergrowth, you see uh, an overgrown storm drain that is slightly ajar. Mm. Oh, let it be known, and this will come into play later. Claire is wearing a painter's satchel. It is unclear to everyone if this is an artistic accessory or a functional item, but she's carrying it, just as an FYI. Okay. I mean, I'm going to look into it. What do I see? Yeah, you see two bright, phosphorescent, white, glowing eyes staring out at you. And as you peer into them, 
they move towards you and the grate is knocked aside and you see a large jet black alligator emerge from the storm drain and claw its way out into the underbrush. And it it kind of like wriggles and writhes around through the brush. And you can see it's trying to like kind of avoid the sun until it finds like a cool shady place. And then it looks at you with an indecipherable gaze. Ooh, I give it an indecipherable gaze back. Ooh. I love indecipherable gazes. That's kind of like my love language. (laughs) (laughs) And the alligator spits out a large peculiar looking seed and very rapidly it sprouts and expands and grows into walker oh hey (sighs) (sighs) i took you long enough claire yeah sorry i i should have known that you'd have a grand entrance always always the way with you and then Claire does the cheek kisses that Walker just kind of tolerates because it's Claire. Yeah, they're still catching their breath. So they're like, good job, Andrew. And they stroke the night gator under the chin. The night gator? <laughs> I love this. I Remember? love this. Yeah. This is from episode one. Oh, God, this is a well-known right. thing. Sorry, it's been so long. Of course, how could I forget the night gator? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Andrew, the night gator. A perfect boy. Who, uh, Claire? Is a lot bigger than last time you saw him. <laughs> Ooh, I grew up so fast. Well, I, I see that someone's been eating well. He he makes like a a self satisfied crocodile hiss. I like it. I think Claire reaches into her satchel and pulls out what looks like a dog treat, but it's shaped like a person, <laughs> and hands it to a Walker. Be like. This is actually made specifically for our reptilian friends. I, I Quinn, have a question. Sure. You said it's it's shaped like a person. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. What, what, yeah. What's it made of? <laughs> it's it's all natural. Proprietary. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't answer the question. <laughs> no, it's it's vegetarian. It's all natural. But Claire just thought it would be kind of cute, like you know, like dogs like bones, you know. Uh, large crocodiles and other slightly creepy animals might prefer what's the most generic thing she could make it okay a human got it okay Mm -hmm. walker takes it and tosses it to andrew who snaps it out of the air with remarkable speed for a creature his size (laughs) and his eyes kind of flash like a a brighter white like they glow a little bit more brightly so what, so what brings you into this part of town, Walker? I know you and uh, Melvin don't exactly see eye to eye these days. Yeah, you know me, Claire. I don't, I don't particularly like coming into town. It's been a little bit. I thought we should check in, just check up on you a little bit. You've been off on your adventures. How did things go at the school? Oh, boy. Well, first, I do have uh, a little bit of housekeeping. And then Claire pulls out of her satchel two paintings. And now I have put these, listeners, I have put these paintings in our game Discord. I was wondering what those were. Yes. (laughs) For Quinn to look at. I I will also... I will try mm-hmm. to remember to put them into the general discord or somewhere publicly facing when the time comes, because I think it is valuable. But I'll just go ahead and describe them. The first one is a black and white charcoal painting 
of a person, but their face is entirely scribbled out with paint wipes that almost makes it look like they have a bunch of snakes coming out of their face. The second one is a photo of a person, but from the neck up, it's just a big swatch of paint very close up. It's like a Mm. goop of paint instead of a face. It is disconcerting. Both of them are, but I would say the second one is more so. Um, Yes. So Claire pulls both of these out of her satchel and hands them to Walker and goes, I uh I spent a little bit of time in time out this past week. At which oh, point dear. Yeah, you know it happens. But while I was there, Rudy um made sure to let me know that he had some gifts for you. So he had me make these for you in purgatory. Oh. So you know, just a little something. He knows he knows you've been looking for that that right piece to put up in the cabin. So he thought this might fit the bill. Fabulous. Yeah, it's been a vexing problem for me, if I'm being honest. <laughs> uh, but this, these are Rudy. <sighs> Rudy, 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 Rudy. He knows what you like. He, uh... know, he knows how to get to you. Uh, <laughs> well, thank you, Claire. Wait, am I, am I to understand that you, uh, you spoke with Rudy? Yeah, so this school thing we did, which, by the way, who knew that if you, like, do people a favor, they reward you with things? Did you know I'm going to a banquet? It's a whole thing. Anyway, (laughs) but basically, yada, 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 we found the kids. They were trapped in this really strange thing with this robot. Anyway, before we save the day, a couple of these kids... Just got the wrong idea about why we were there and were, you know, threatening some sort of tribunal against Stafford. It was a whole to do. And frankly, they were just being difficult, which I've heard that kids are. But once you're faced with it, it's quite a different task altogether. So I made a point to show them that I should be taken seriously. I've heard that discipline and boundaries are important with children. And so I simply used their weapons against them, but without harming them in any way. But apparently, Rudy didn't appreciate that I drew on his power to do this. And so he... um, Really? Yeah. I mean, he has a thing about, like, not harming not fully developed humans or something. But... um, Huh. That must be new. That's not really the Rudy I know. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) He's been meditating. He's been doing a couple of things, and I think... You know, he's come to some new conclusions for himself, which, hey, we should all evolve, you know, you out with the old and with the new. But he didn't like that I drew upon his power to do that. And so he took me out of space and time for, you know, what I imagine I haven't actually spoken to my colleagues, if you will, but probably was only a few minutes or so for them. But for me, it was about 11 years. Oh, God. Which is why the brush work in these is so good, because he did, you know, make sure that yeah. I was making these for you during that time. Quite impressive. Um, yeah, yeah, I think so. I, this, this second one, I hit kind of my uh, a new period in my painting around year nine. And that's where this part of the faceless face really comes to shine. But anyway, yeah. So long story short, I, I had a good chat with him. I think 11 years was a little harsh. But look at this impressive artwork. That's true. Yes. I'm really happy with how it came out. And I think that it was the right call for your space. I've been thinking, you know, I've been thinking so hard about how to make that mantle space work for you. So this definitely fits the bill. But um, yeah, I'd like to try to take his recommendations under consideration. 
because I'd prefer not to be plucked from space and time again. They look at you confused and they're like, huh, well, to each their own, I suppose. I always enjoy being plucked from space and time. Well, you don't have sploot. 11 years without sploot. Yeah. For I, me, for me, I'm that not would really be a into problem. the social media. I know I wish I could be that way, but I'm just not, you know? And so 11 years without it was pretty hard. Mm-hmm. I'm proud of you, Claire. Thank you. Did I hear, did I hear you say that you were going to a banquet? I am. Yes. It wouldn't by chance be the PTA's annual fundraiser held in the public library's grand room, would it? Yes. As we all know, the richest, fanciest affair of the year. I see. Hmm. Well. Why? That is quite fortuitous, actually. Go on. Because I've been trying to get in there for a long time. What are you trying to do at this banquet, Walker? This does not seem like your kind of jam at all. Oh, no. I'm not one for banquets terribly. Claire, my dear friend, would you do me a favor? Yes, of course. As long as it's not being plucked from space and time. I just (laughs) did that. You got to give me a little bit of a grace period. Oh, no. No, 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 no. Only Rudy can pluck you from space and time. Thank Rudy for that. Sorry, go on. Claire, take me with you to the banquet, please. I would love to see the inside of the library. Oh, absolutely. I do feel like you have a plan up your sleeve that I might want to know a little bit more about. Look, I'm going to bring you regardless, but just <laughs> friend to friend. What, what level of mischief are we talking about here? Nothing that would upset our mutual friend or be traced back to you in any way. But yes, there would be mischief. As you put it. I do like some good mischief, especially against the bureaucracy. Uh, It wouldn't impact Duncan or Max at all, would it? I don't think so. It shouldn't. It shouldn't. Okay, all right. You're not planning on, like, sticking around the library after the event's over, are you? Not that I know of. Certainly not, then. Okay. They should be just fine. Okay. As will you. Well, yeah, I'm I'm not worried about that. Okay, yeah, I mean, sure. Just uh, do me the favor of giving me a heads up when it's time to be somewhere else. Oh, don't don't worry terribly about that. All I need you to do is bring me with you and find a, a cool, dark place to plant me. I can do that. Fabulous. Now, just to confirm, we're talking planting literally, not metaphorically, yes? Walker smiles and says... We shall plant anew the tree of knowledge, Claire. Takes a deep breath, holds it, and turns back into a seed. Always get the best one-liners out. And then Claire (laughs) splutes that quote, but attributes it to herself. (laughs) (laughs) And Andrew the alligator slithers back into the storm grate. And uh, yeah, there's a, a seed about the size of a baseball at your feet. Quinn. All right, Claire puts it in her satchel. Quinn. (laughs) (laughs) And we fade away from this flashback back onto Claire's face, and we see the satchel hung around her her shoulder as we fade back into the PTA's annual fundraising gala. Oh, sorry. Can I say, I don't have the satchel on me, but I have the seed as an earring that I'm wearing. (laughs) Huge earring. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, it's just one it's baseball. baseball-sized earring. <laughs> no, I have another one on the other side. I've oh, crafted one. baseball-sized earrings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, of course. Fabulous. Okay. We see the PTA eagerly awaiting a response from the three of you as to what you've been doing the past month since Somewhere Elementary returned. Uh, networking. For me. Synergy, branding. Having information, broadcasting. uh, Growth uh, capabilities. Community engagement. Vertical platforming. Uh, I have no idea. Investigative journalism. Bitcoin? Mining, like literal mining into the yeah, ground. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Visited the butcher. I'll get some mm-hmm. good cuts. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, oh, Melvin, of course. Fixing Gardening. some shoes. Mm-hmm. Doing a little reno Card work, games, yeah. Spiking the punch. Some painting. What? Shopping. Wait, sorry, what was that last one? <laughs> what was Max? What? Mm-hmm. What was that about the punch? Nothing. Okay. And the PTA says, Fabulous. Well, it sounds like you all have been keeping very busy. Unsurprising for the heroes of somewhere elementary. The PTA looks towards the stage and uh, you see Sebastian kind of like subtly gesturing towards you all. I think it's time for the award ceremony. Anything you need to do before that, you'd better do now. And the PTA starts heading up towards the stage and you can see Principal wheeling up on there as well and a a few other people. Ooh, roll off a little bit of the bass on this before the announcement. I got some knobs to fill with. (laughs) Um, I think Claire scurries over to like the hallway or the staircase and finds one of the like big ferns that she helped fund in the library because libraries should be beautiful too. And she just plants the seed in there and walks away. Is it a carnivorous fern? Yeah, of course it is. <laughs> it bites you. <sighs> Add it to the list. Take a heart. <laughs> I mean, how how bad? Like a paper cut? It's a little love bite. I think it's kind of like if a cat bit you. Yeah. So like unpleasant, and it might get infected, but uh, I'm not gonna make you mark a harm. Okay, <laughs> thank you. You stuff the seed down into the soil. You hear a low hum, like a slight reverberance, and then you hear whispered as though it was right over your shoulder. Nice. I think I give a thumbs up behind me and head back out. Okay. The three of you head up on stage to perhaps more raucous round of applause than you expected, both based on your previous behavior at the event, but also from the rather staid crowd gathered in front of you. (laughs) Uh, You do seem to have struck a chord with people, having returned somewhere elementary to its rightful place, the space that formerly didn't exist where the old elementary school once and now is once again. (laughs) All right, just add on to the end. I got it. I see. <laughs> in in the crowd, I think you see Mina, the auditor, and uh, Jeremy's there as well. And Max, actually, you see Elodie, which is surprising because she doesn't really make a habit of attending these events. Oh, interesting. Okay. <laughs> Sebastian leans into the microphone and says, Thank you, everyone. And now it is the moment that you have been waiting for. It is my distinct honor to present to the heroes of Somewhere Elementary the first ever Clunkanax. Numerous members of the PTA wheel out from the side stage a polished gold bust bearing three heads like a chimera, uh, each a stylized depiction of one of you. It, the stand below has a gold-plated commemoration that says, 
for outstanding service to the Somewhere School District, the first and last ever Clunkanax Award <laughs> is presented to Claire Claremont, Duncan Oliver, and Max No Known Last Name. Beautiful. I love it. Love it. Love it. Max is speechless. Listeners, Clunk, uh, make an illustration of the Clunkanax, please. Please. The three of you hold the Klunkanax trophy aloft on stage, the fully gilded busts resplendent under the spotlights. As the assemblage of Somewhere's Elite gaze lustily at its gold doubloon frame, however, you notice its burnished surface ripple, yeah. like little worms squirming inside of it. Yeah. And as the crowd continues to applaud, the Klunkanax lurches to life in your hands. <gasps> what the? Ooh. 